to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. Uh, this is probably my favorite time of year, to be quite honest, is the off-season. Um, you know, we're going to be doing this kind of reoccurring series over the next week or two where we're going to have our off-season moves that with the Seattle protection lists and then the Seattle expansion draft and then the uh, regular draft, if there's any trades there, and then free agency, you know, we're going to keep kind of as the summer goes on, update um, this current roster. Yeah, this current roster. And the way we did this is Rob and I kind of separately put together uh, two rosters for the Canadians and how we think they should approach it. Yeah. What we think is going to be, you know, probably the best for the team now and the future. And so, uh, you know, we'll jump right into it. I think we're going to take this in yeah, let's just, blocks, let's just start, basically. Yeah. So, so, basically, we're pre-draft list, so pre-Seattle draft. Yeah, the Seattle protection list come out, I think, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. So just if you're listening in the future, this is before, you know, the teams have released who they're protecting and who they're exposing. Um, so like Jesse said, we're going to update it as we go. So once we get the protection list, obviously, we'll modify our rosters, and it'll be kind of fun because we'll see over the rest of July and August. Um, you know, we'll keep making amendments. And, yeah, and, and we'll also get final. to see how accurate we were from yeah. the get-go. So yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll jump right in. I mean, you know, I, I feel like you should be wearing like a tuxedo for yeah. this. This is literally like, I, I love this stuff yeah. so much. Um, so we'll jump in with our protected list. So actually, funny enough, we ended up with the exact same protection list. Yeah, I think this is pretty consensus. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, for those who don't fully understand the expansion draft as well, not every player on the team um, is eligible for the expansion draft, when you break it down, um, basically to the players that are worth protecting, which also doesn't include players, for example, like Phil Dano or Yol Armia, who are free agents, unrestricted free agents this year. There's no, there's no um, benefit to Seattle selecting them because they could walk away a week later. So yeah. when it really breaks down to players who are under contract for next year restricted free agents that are of age and have played the right amount of games, you really only get eight forwards, um, four defensemen, and three goalie, or two goalies, basically, to pick from. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'll jump right in with the forwards. Um, you have to protect Brendan Gallagher. Um, he's got a no-movement clause. Josh Anderson, Jonathan Druin, Tyler Toffoli, Jake Evans, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and... Um, Arturi Lekkonen, leaving the only forward available to be selected as Paul Byron. Okay. You want to take the defense? Yep. So, defenseman, we have to protect Jeff Petrie, no movement clause again. Uh, we're going to protect Edmondson and Sherratt, leaving Weber exposed and leaving Kulak exposed. So, it's probably a good time to bring this up. You know, over the last week, we've yeah. heard Weber's injuries have kind of caught up with him, you know, going from his ankle to his knee to his thumb. But apparently the thumb being the worst of them all. Yeah, I, I remember seeing when he took his glove off after the game. Yeah. One of them, I don't even know if it was the last game that he, it looked like he had like a bionic hand. Yeah, I know. It, was, it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like it was um like a small cast. It looked like it was probably like two thirds of his thumb was just yeah, completely and that would covered. explain a lot of his power play shooting. Yeah, because I remember, you know, I, I think I brought it up probably right at the end of the Vegas series where I was saying with our power play, you know, we haven't seen Shea take the shots. Like, yeah. he's, not the, he's not the guy taking the shots, which is surprising because, like... I mean, it still goes to show when he did shoot and he had a goal yeah. there against Vegas where it was almost 102 miles an hour. Yeah. Like, that guy's just yeah. just a world-class It literally, like, literally makes me want to cry almost. No, I know. And, you know, there's little things, too. Actually, I, I did want to talk about this briefly before we continue on. You know, it was very weird to see, like, 
like the the mountain man crying yeah. and then like all the players specifically going up to him yeah. to give you know they weren't just consoling each other as a group they were all taking their turn kind of like giving Shay a hug and then even you know i i wrote it off as Sherrod talking about his d partner but when he talked about how you know bittersweet it was to go this far and lose and specifically the words he used when you have a guy like Shay weber on your team and you know that that goes for guys as well like Carey Price, but he didn't mention him. I thought that was just kind of almost like, you know, within the family that is the Canadians, yeah. there's also Sub-families. the defensive family, and then there's deep pairs. But no, I think they all kind of knew this was kind of his yeah. last dance, per se. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, because I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, especially after the Vegas series, I find the spotlight kind of went off of Carey Price a little bit, and like, I was wondering why that was. Um, but I guess we know now, and um, I mean, you know, nothing's too in bad. Stone, Nothing's right? set in stone. I mean, it could be a whole media thing where they blow things out of proportion. This, this and, is kind of reminiscent of two years ago. Yeah, but I either exactly. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too with his ankle and like there, there's you know, but there is a regardless if it if the injury is even remotely bad, you know, there's definitely something to be said. Like it might actually be, you know, it's good to see him on the ice, but it might actually be worse for the team if he just continues playing and takes a lesser role yeah and that's that's still a 7.8 that's it worse for the team worse for him worse for basically everyone look if he's paying if he's playing third line minutes yeah and playing with romanov or something like that like i understand like you want to see shea weber on the ice but like having a guy who's like nearing an eight mil cap hit playing you know 15 minutes a game like it's just not feasible for us long term yeah and and, and I, I completely agree there i also like i don't want to see that kind of like, that, like wounded warrior you know going yeah. till his last you know step kind of thing it's yeah. more like i don't want him to have to, i don't want him like i already see this as almost a forced retirement i don't want to see like a specific incident where he gets slashed and he rushes off the ice and then like we hear that he can never play again that's like, I don't it. yeah that. i want him to kind of go out like this you know yeah. basically on top uh, as close to on top of the yeah. world as possible and look when, when the news does come that the canadians put him on long-term injury there's going to be a whole podcast for him oh, obviously yeah. i mean and what's good too though is this kind of puts some fire back under the canadians because if he's on ltir next season we could still win the cup and he'd get a ring. Oh, absolutely. There's no way they don't no, they don't no, give no. him one anyway. No chance. Um yeah, you know, I I just if like when the time yeah, comes we'll that's when there, we'll do we'll it. There. So let's so go to protectionless. Yeah, Policy. basically yeah. um carry price automatically protected, yeah, no, no movement, movement clause. Plus we protect him anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leaving Jake Allen exposed, that's gonna be a hot button with Seattle and I mean it's worth mentioning, but Michael McNiven as well. Yeah um so yeah basically like the i said temptation yeah exactly <laughs> but so basically uh we each have the same protection list and by default the same exposure list but this is where you know the first um i guess diver- yeah the first branches so for mm-hmm. me i let seattle take jake allen um rob ended up uh coercing Seattle yeah, so, yeah, into taking Byron. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna take Paul Byron off our hands. Like I, you know, I honestly didn't want to see this guy go. Um, you know, I think he's a huge part of our Cup run, especially like in the postseason. Just you know, game after game, this guy showed up, always playing hard. Obviously, one of the nicest goals this season, like in the NHL mm-hmm. against Toronto, there the first game. But you know, I just I don't see any other option. I really cannot see a path forward for us. Uh, without solid backup goaltending, which like it's obviously possible to go get a guy in in uh, in uh, who's a UFA, but 
I just foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing. <laughs> but I just I see Jake at well, it's not even foreshadowing because there's no possible way there's a way yeah. forward without without with playing Primo or McNiven back. Yeah, there, exactly. There's no way forward. But so I decided to coerce Seattle into taking a 2021 second and fourth to pick Byron instead which, of Jake Allen. Which isn't out of the blue either. For those who've been following, Seattle's made it very clear what the costs are to pick certain players. And so, um, you know, they, they asked for a second and a, a later round pick. So uh, giving them as high as you can with a fourth in order to protect Jake Allen makes sense too. I think it's, you know, that's that's... A genuinely fair trade and you don't want to overpay either to no, save jake allen true. but byron a second and a fourth makes sense i personally a little, didn't go yeah. that route see like in my mind like I the, I the way i do it is i flip it i'm saying like would i trade that for jake allen and um um you know it's a little steep for me for for getting a backup goalie like that but um i i just i see the way jake allen played with that schedule and like how much it you know, it really primed price for the playoffs. And, like, I a so lot you, of you want a goalie success. that can play, like, half the season. No, exactly. And, like, okay. I, you know, I've gone off the boat of price is a 10.5 mil goalie. He better be playing most of the season to, like, basically I would be okay with seeing price in net less than 50% of the games in the regular season. Oh, wow. And all of the games in the playoffs. Because the way price played this playoffs uh, is worth all the money that we give him. And... You know, Jake Allen played phenomenal during the regular season. And, like, I, I just I see that division of labor nice. Like, obviously, in how it's going to work out is in an 82-game season, I'd like to see Price play probably half. Yeah, I mean, it's probably 50 games. 50, yeah. 50 games would be ideal for me. But I wouldn't be upset if he, you know, took a little bit less than that. But I, I see Allen as that guy. And there's not other there's not many other goalies in the league that are willing to take a backup position to Price and and be that guy. Like most most of these goalies really want to be that playoff guy. And Jake Allen just has this thing about him where he knows his role on the team and he embraces it. And it's kind of like the Brett Kulak effect. Like Brett Kulak's never trying to be someone he's not. And mm-hmm. like what that ends up doing is he ends up being a solid guy who can play his position. He's dependable. And a lot of backups have that issue of like. You know, I'm just waiting to surpass that guy. He's exactly. trying to compete him. And He for knows the job. you're never going to pass Carey Price. Right. So, well, there you go. Support and so, um, yeah. In in summary, there basically you you really want to keep Allen, which is entirely yeah. justified. Yeah. I personally, I didn't think the price, no pun intended, was worth keeping him based off of like um, the goalies that were available, yeah. except in free agency. But, you know, um, I, I think it's entirely justified, basically, what you did. So we'll, we'll move on to the restricted free agents next, which is chronologically accurate, too. Oh, last um, thing I'm going to say with the goalies is a reason why I didn't want to go into the UFA signings, too, was a lot of teams are going to have this ish, ish, issue of, like, they lost a goalie. Mm-hmm. Or, like, not many, but potentially some that are worried about it, at least. And uh, I'm worried about the competition in free agency. That's fair. I, I think... That mentality is, is, yeah, very much I, as we'll see in, in a theme of my roster here, I think the Canadians lineup and um, uh, what they did last year is a big selling point for a lot of free agents, yeah. as we'll see. But, uh, yeah, so um, restricted free agents, I think you and I both can say very fairly. Uh, there was no uh, offer sheets sent out. We sent no, no. we signed our own home guys. We're being realistic. Here. Yeah, exactly. Wanna... And so... Um, I think the best way to do this is more, uh, we'll just ask, basically, did you sign the person? And we'll see if we did the same contract for the most part. Um, so, Kotkaniemi obviously re-signed. Yeah. And so, 
given we both re-signed Kotkaniemi, um, using Pierre-Luc Dubois as a comparable, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole thing of comparing. I What we did for a calculator was basically just um, in their contract year, did the player who they're being compared to um, in terms of a ratio of points per game for forwards, did they... Uh, you know, did they perform to the same level or below? And if below, what's the ratio of their contract and their comparable contract? The whole, anyway, what it comes down to is we both signed Isferi Kotkaniemi to two years at $2.55 million, which I think is entirely fair. Yeah, the, the point is here is like not to, uh, you know, appeal to authority too much here, but just don't, if, you're, if you guys are going to criticize these, these rosters, don't criticize the contract amounts just because, yeah. like, these are well thought out. We didn't just, like, throw numbers out exactly. there. Like, we, we looked into this stuff and, like, yeah, it might be off by, you know, 200k or so, but, like, it'll be ballpark. These, these are estimates, know, basically. We're, we're going to, yeah, back up everything we've said, basically. So, um, I'm going to skip Lekkonen for a second. So, you and I both offered Ryan Paling qualifying offers, yep. which is uh, $874,125. Basically, um, qualifying offers are just one-year contracts to f- uh, restricted free agents that are given either 100 or 105% of their year salary before. It's an easy way just for GMs to kind of... Um, yeah, it's it just fast and easy yeah. kind of one-year contracts. Very much like almost if you want to think like tryout contracts to yeah, a certain just, it's degree. Their, it's their contract with like an inflation in a bit. Basically. basically. And it, it's just a way of like avoiding negotiation. Yeah. And you can always reject that contract. But I think, you know, Paling who basically... Him getting this contract implies he's in the NHL next year. Mm-hmm. That's what this whole thing is. You and I both did the same thing. We both qualified Ryan Paling. Yeah. You also qualified another player. Yeah, so I qualified Kale Flurry. So so his is know, how much? Yeah, he got obviously one year qualifying offer, seven hundred fifty k, so league minimum. So again, like I, the reason I I think Flurry will have some kind of position on my team is just because I I don't know how much more he's going to benefit out of the HL. A lot like Ryan Paling, like yeah, Kale Flurry's not going to be a, a starter on my team next year, but. He's definitely going to be a guy that I, I bring in to swap out with Kulak every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't see him... He learned a lot in HL. Like, if you look at his play last year, like, he, he's grown a lot as a player. And, like, I, I just think this is the next level for him. And, and like... That's yeah. perfectly fair. And Especially so, with uh, Big Shea gone and, uh, you know, a little more physicality can never hurt. Absolutely. And uh, our last restricted free agent is Arturi Lekin. And so you and I had two different approaches with this. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start with mine. I qualified Arturi Lekin. That might not be a popular opinion, so that, that gives him a cap hit of $2.2 million for one year. Um, the reason I did that is I don't know how long he's going to be on the team in terms of how long he's going to be... I don't want to say effective, because a player like that is very effective. But if you remember, like I didn't lose Paul Byron in mine, and mm-hmm. so we'll see what the lineup's like. This is more of a tryout year for me in terms of if he can do the job and put up a relatively like fair amount of points with a, a solid position on the team, he's going to get locked down the next year. This is basically just me saying, like, I haven't been fully satisfied with um, your role and your position. I, I partially blame that on coaching mm-hmm. because I think he's been on seven different lines in the past two years. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, everyone who listens in knows this podcast is a big fan of Arturi Lekkinen, yeah. which is why I don't want to lose him. Yeah, it's fair. But I definitely want to have almost like a, you know, 
show me you. Yeah, you just you don't know what he's capable of, but exactly. it's not necessarily his fault I, completely. Well, that's it. So I, I think to be reasonable, a qualifying offer of 2.2 mil for a year, basically going on saying, here's your year, here's your spot, go do it. That's going to, if anything, it'll give him a better chance of having a more yeah. lucrative contract the next year. And if not, then you can just let him walk. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, if they, I understand. I mean, I, I, I did a three-year 2.5 mil for uh, for Lekkanen. The comparison there was Manjipani. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to do it long-term, obviously. I just think three years is kind of a magic number for him. Um, you know, you we don't really have to go into detail at how effective he was this season, but like you said, you know, he, he is one of those guys that, you know, his versatility kind of plays against him sometimes because he's, he can play anywhere and everywhere. And what ends up happening there is when guys get injured, he, you know, he gets shuffled around a lot and he doesn't have time to settle. But I think this playoffs when he got the opportunity to play with Deno and Gallagher long-term and how well he played, and how many points he put up, like, I, I think that's a good indicator of, of where they're at going forward. Deno is something we'll get into later, but um, I think this is a clear shot to management and the coaching staff that you got to keep this guy where he's in, in one place and, and let him grow a little bit. I also don't see our team, uh, we'll get into rosters, obviously, but even last year, like, our team isn't as much of a jigsaw puzzle anymore where, like, we have, like, two or three lines that are, like, absolute locks. Like, yeah. And that, that hasn't happened to us in a while. Like, the last few years, it's like, yeah, we have Tatar to O'Gallagher, then anything under that can be uh, basically anything you want that night. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, now we have more or less, like, you know, that um, you know that Perry line was a lock. The mm-hmm. Suzuki line at one point was, like, a two-thirds lock. And then the Deno gallagher Lekkonen line was a lock. And then there, we had a third line there where we had a little bit of wiggle room, but, like, not enough to really warrant shuffling a guy around and I think that's going to help like in next year and hopefully uh two years after that but yeah definitely and so yeah that that basically sums up the restricted free agents um nothing insane like we said the fun part yeah the fun part is the unrestricted free agents so um I think again chronologically speaking the best way to do this is you sign your homegrown guys first then you go looking so um this is this will be the first question did you or did you not re-sign Philip Deneau yeah, I did. I mean, it's with the with the recent news that the Habs are going to let him kind of uh, tread into the free market. Yeah. I I personally think this is not a power move by the Canadians, but I think this is basically they're offering him money, and he doesn't think because he's not allowed to talk to any other teams. I think he thinks there's going to be a much bigger difference. To as I this this almost feels like Mark Bergevin kind of like letting the children go, like, make their own mistakes and yeah. then realize, like, okay, this is, you know, he was right all along. Yeah, I, you know, I, I get this other feeling with Deno where, like, I can kind of feel his insecurity with his role on the team. I don't know if I was Mark Bergevin, if my if my strategy would make him feel even less wanted, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would make sure, I would really sit him down, which I'm sure he did because they have a great relationship, but I'd be like, listen, Phil, like, you are paramount to this team. You know, I'm not putting you second or third to Kotkaniemi and Suzuki. You all have an integral role in the team. You know, I would tell him straight up, I think your vision of what you can do offensively is, like, borderline, uh, you know, insane. It's it's borderline insane. I mean, like, the guy, you know, I I think he... I understand that feeling of, of feeling like you can do more than you can, but at the same time, like, I feel... 
that's where his agent has to come in and kind of bring him back down to earth. But you know, as you guys know, a lot of these agents are kind of uh, pathological in a lot of ways, and uh, you know, this is a this is a uh, money grab for them too, right? So, I just think that letting him walk out there, I, I again, I think he'll come back, but I just don't think for his psyche going forward mm-hmm. and how much we need Phil Deno that making letting him. Playing the, the hard the the game of uh, well go and see how much uh, other people want you is, yeah. is really the way to go. Like at the end of the day, I think he's coming back. I just I don't know if his play next year is optimized by us making him feel like he's not as wanted. No, I, I get that. I I think that's fair. I think you know for for those who have you know followed all year, I'm I'm critical of Deno in the sense that if he just owned what he was good at, I know he it would do him so much more i don't know why he feels like well I, I know why he feels that way but i think the moment he accepts that he's a shutdown center he accepts that he's the, a bottom six center. this is the thing it's almost like he's listening too much to people who don't understand hockey because yeah. like look i understand those 13 14 year old kids who think they understand the nhl they think Austin Matthews and they the yeah and they think that you know to be an actually uh, to be a center or a forward that's even worth signing you need to score goals mm-hmm. and there's no other role in the team Again, like the the guys that he's surrounded by and the guys that he should be listening to, like every other player does, are guys that like listen to this podcast and they like understand hockey and understand how absolutely essential of a role Philip Deneau had in our Stanley Cup run. Like it, it's guys like that, guys like Erickson Heck, like these guys are extremely valued players and like yeah, you know what? They're they're uh, you know, not as, as glamorous and, and not as uh, they're not Austin Matthews, but they have a huge role in the team, and I don't know why he can't see past these the best, you know, 13-year-old kids saying score more goals. The, the best way I would describe it, and I don't know if this is going to sound like too uh, much like a, a news headline, but I think it just describes it perfectly, is that Philip Deneau will never be on a highlight reel, but neither will anyone who plays exactly. against Philip Deneau. That's exactly what I said, yeah. And so I, I, I think you know he's going to get paid a little bit more than he should, to be honest, because he'll probably end up um, to, you want to, like you said, you want to keep this guy on the team. So, I mean, you and I came to the same, basically the same conclusion. Yeah, it was uh, with the help of the, you know, like we're not just pulling these numbers out of our ass again. Yeah, it's comparing him to uh, Mikhail Backlund with yeah. a shorter term because yeah. he's a little older than when uh, Backlund signed his contract. Very similar cap at 5.76. It's probably a little higher than what people want. But the term at five years is a lot more manageable. And again, that's not the worst case scenario for a guy like Phil Deneau. Under yeah. six mil. I would I prefer 5.5. 5. Yeah, I would, I would rather be under the five and a half mark. Yeah. But if the, you know, I said 5.76, if that extra, you know, 260,000... Is what keeps which, him on your team. Yeah, which at the same time, like with how both of our rosters panned out, it won't matter. So exactly, that, that's that's it. So then, uh, very similarly, we both re-signed uh, Armia. Yeah, I guess a no-brainer. As this well. one, no-brainer, easy, easy, comparable in Scott Lawton in Philadelphia. Um, four years, three point thirty-eight million, and just you know, just he's gonna be in the bottom six. He's you know, similar to Byron's contract, basically, and they both play a very similar role. Bottom six scoring wingers that can kill. kill the penalty. Just clearly a guy you want. He's very, very strong on the puck. Just, just a great guy to have. Like you said, his 
Uh, you've said it before. He's too talented for the bottom six, but not talented enough for the top six. Yeah. And that's why he just dominates with that line, like you said, of you know with Corey Perry. So yeah, that, lock him up four years. That yeah. takes him through his twenties into his early thirties, and then you let him walk. Yeah, I, that's a you know Joel Armia is like a a must sign in my book. Like this is a guy that you cannot let go. Like you know. Uh, he was I, leading uh, the team in goals at one point in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I know it's a must sign. <laughs> like this is like a this will be more catastrophic than I think people will realize if mm-hmm. we let him walk. No, I I know I don't think they've again he's one of those guys who just isn't valued the way people should. Yeah, and then uh, last free agent from the home team basically Corey Perry. Uh, made it clear he wants to play in Montreal another season. Clearly, you know, just sign him to the same contract, one year at league minimum, seven hundred fifty k. You know, done deal, very easy. Now we get into the fun. This is the speculation and the justifications that are required. So you and I only signed one free agent that was the same player, yeah. and that player was Ryan Getzlaff. So um, I think we both signed into the same contract yeah. too. Yeah. So you know, at first glance, like when we when we brought it, we we both brought up these this name a few weeks ago, and like it was kind of like, yeah, well, almost like joking. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to happen, but. It felt a lot the same way that Corey Perry did last year, where it's like Dallas to Montreal, Anaheim to Montreal. Like that's a geographically a far move, but also um, you know just don't really hear much between those between those guys and uh, and the Habs. But you know you got the Corey Perry connection there. Getzlaff's apparently completely on board going to Canada. So that, that's I'm just going to jump in one second at the trade deadline. He told Anaheim the two teams he wanted to be traded to was Vegas and Montreal. Yeah. So this is a guy who wants to come here. He probably wants to come here even more because this is a guy who grew up. You know, he's part of that 03 draft. He, like you said, he's good friends with Corey Perry. Price. He's been close with Price, Weber. Um, I think that's it for like the older yeah. Team Canada guys. But you know, he's got a lot of connections here. That just and and, and he's just a replacement for Eric Stahl in my opinion yeah. that's a step up and this is a guy that like I really more than Stahl I see Paling and Kotkaniemi specifically molding yeah. their play and, after. and that's it it's like I, I think we both basically came to the same conclusion that is the guy on the fourth line yeah who at league minimum playing with Corey Perry so there's that chemistry there you have Army on the on the left side or god is that a big line? that's a big line but also just there's a lot of talent there you know gets left can crush it on fa- uh, face-offs yeah. and just like you said he can teach guys like Paley and he can teach guys like Kod Kniemi. um so can Eric Stahl but you know what Eric Stahl has also different play style though. different play style yeah. and also isn't most likely interested in coming back it's not even it's nothing personal too but like you know his his family hasn't seen him in a year yeah. they're in Minnesota he went to Buffalo and then went to Montreal they're they're just waiting for him to come home at this point yeah. and he he's He's not that he's over it, but you know he he's all he's getting up there in age, and he wants to see his family. Yeah, and and you know recently, you know twenty nineteen, Getzlaff had thirty four points in sixty seven games on a very very bad team. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, forty eight points in sixty seven games, thirty four assists. And and again, that that'll go. That'll obviously drop on the fourth line, but maybe not. 2020, he had 42 points in 69 games. Well, there you go. This is someone who can still put up points. Probably, yeah, see, I don't think it will. Just because, like, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a Corey Perry and Armia effect of, That's, like, we're yeah. going to dominate the, the bottom six. And, and the way I see it is if Getzlaff leaves Anaheim and comes to Montreal, I think we'll see a 
kind of offensive boom in the same light as like a Jason Spezza in yeah. Toronto. I think it'll kind of revitalize him a yeah, lot. Yeah, and it also it takes it'll revitalize him a lot too in the sense that it'll take a lot of the leadership role off of him. Like he, mm-hmm. he can really focus on his game. Yeah. Which and of like, course they'll still he'll still be Well just that. like Stall, yeah, no, but exactly. I just mean like he won't he won't be like like he the won't guy. be like the guy. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like sure. we have other guys to do that and um, he's not that guy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that, that, that'd be exciting to see. Yeah, so it was just consensus was Ryan Getzlaff is just someone you want to go out and get. Doesn't look like Anaheim is going to offer him anything. And I, I just think it, there's enough pulling him here. And like I mentioned before, there's like that winning habit that basically is going to yeah, and Vegas, be attractive. Vegas isn't really going for I don't think Vegas will, will be a good fit in terms of... Vegas needs to shed cap. That, like, and, and, and also cheap, he'll like, be in the top six, which yeah. is like clearly not where it needs to be right yeah. now so um i'll i'll do my free agents yeah, first and let's do all your free agents first yeah so yeah. i only signed two ufas um ryan Suter was the next one i signed him to a year at one and a half mil so there's half the amount of defensemen on a team so i just doubled league minimum this yeah. is a guy who just got bought out he's getting paid to not play hockey yeah. it's very very common to see guys not take big contracts so i basically just use the logic of if forwards get league minimum, defensemen get two times yeah. league minimum. So one year, one and a half mil. I know he's not huge on leaving the U.S. So again, this is a very, very early kind of raw roster. So you know, for all we know, he has no interest in coming to Montreal. But I'm, I'm saying it's a good move. Yeah. Bring Ryan Suter in, and then this is where. Who would you um, play him with? Just out of curiosity. Oh yeah. I want to save that yeah. actually. Yeah. So basically, my last free agent is Chris Dreidger. Um, basically that's a third goalie out of Florida. So everyone knows they can't move on from Bobrovsky if they even wanted to. And Spencer Knight has arrived, you know, he's, he's solid. And basically, um, Dredger is someone who, I mean, the first thing I'll say is two years at three and a half million. That's from Pierre Lebrun reporting on that's his asking price. So just give him what he wants. Um, again, I'm banking on the fact that he's a Canadian guy basically could want to come play for an original six that's clearly on the upswing and very similar to like what you said with Allen, someone who can take on a bigger play load. He played 23 games last year yeah. out of the 56. Yeah. So uh, a little less than half, but you know what I mean? Um, he oh yeah holy shit <laughs> 46 <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna cut that out of the recording but just cut that out of your mind <laughs> and his stats was he was a 207 with a 927 save percentage so he he had a great in a very good division and three shutouts very good division yeah against a lot of high scoring teams and so this is someone who can clearly come in and you know he didn't have as great of a uh, playoff run he was an 871 with a 369 but they played but, and, and again, he won't play in the playoffs, to be yeah, honest. No. But this is someone who will give Carey Price that, um, you know, extra rest that he needs, very similar to Jake Allen, um, for uh, less than a million more. And the big thing for me is that Dreger is someone who has shown that he can do it with, you know, for example, the defense in Florida was very similar to Montreal's defense. They had a lot of good defensemen on there. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is just, it, it's just a good fit. And like you said, it's its not a guarantee and there will be competition. However, if you're a guy who wants to win a cup, wants to play hockey, if you're told, all right, you're going to work in tandem with Carey Price on a team that just went to the Stanley Cup final, you're going to get a lot of starts and it's a short enough contract that you'll get paid again in two years. 
I think it's it's a very yeah. tempting offer, and it's like I said, an original six hockey city. It's just yeah. there's there's a lot. Carry price factors huge. Too. Of course, that's yeah. absolutely it. All these guys say that. So th- those are my my U of A signings: Suter and Dreiger, along with like we said, Getzlaff. So I, I I'm curious. I yeah. see that you have one big name on the board. Yeah, both of those. I you know, I just commenting on yours. I I completely agree with with Dreiger. He's one of those guys. And you know, like I said, the only reason why I'm willing to part with Byron a second and a fourth to keep Allen is just because I worry about that that uh, certainty. Yeah. Like, I just want that certainty going into next season. No, it's entirely justified. Yeah, because it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we either get Dreiger, or there's mm-hmm. a few other guys that we could have gone for, like but like Bernier. But it's just um, we know that Allen worked. Dreiger would is would most likely work. Yeah, He's, I know, but you're you're entirely yeah. justified in saying like you you. Eliminated all risk. Yeah, I just I don't want to go into that UFA market because worst like case, I absolutely yeah. need it, or I'm playing McNiven. Like, exactly, it's a bad situation. Being. But yeah, so going into mine, so like I said, we had uh, Getzlaff in common one year at 750k league minimum, and then I wanted to take Zach Hyman off of uh, uh, well, not off Toronto's hands. Toronto doesn't want him anymore, so. <laughs> I signed Zach Hyman to four years at 5.33 mil. So this was from Evolving Hockey. Um, you know, I think that's a great contract for Zach Hyman. And I, he stuck out like a sore thumb on Toronto. Like playing, it was it was almost, you know, like when John Cooper went to Carey Price afterwards, uh, after they, they lost and said like, I, I ache for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like I, that's how I feel for Zach Hyman. It's like re, re-watching some of those, you know, late, third periods in that Toronto series, like, he, Zach Hyman and, like, their bottom six were, like, the only guys on there, not even their bottom six, I'm going to say, like, Jason Spezza. Yeah. So, like, Zach Hyman and Jason Spezza, I saw on the ice, and I was just like, oh, man, this just sucks for you guys. Like, yeah, they, they just Zach Hyman this. is throwing, like, borderline charges, he's plowing people into the boards, yeah. he's digging at every puck. Um, is he the one working hard? He plays a lot offensively at least, like Arturi Lekkinen, and I think that's why I have a soft spot for him. But you he know, varies 30 pucks a year. Yeah, exactly. He's a very, very good goal. And, and there's a, there's an advanced there's advanced stats done on his goals, and like a lot of people say like the Matthews-Marner effect, almost none of his goals came from Matthews and Marner. They were all on rebounds. Yeah, off of Matthews and Marner and probably Riley, but again, like we get rebounds. That's how the Habs score all of our goals. Absolutely. So like he would thrive with this environment, and his play style is like literally identical to us yeah and i think it I, it bodes well for you too that he's someone who wanted to stay in toronto i.e in canada yeah because that's one thing it's hard to get guys who want to play in canada but clearly he just he is, wants to and yeah. he wants to win and look we're i don't even want to say we're rivals with toronto we're not really rivals with toronto like i usually you don't get guys that like um like thomas tatar won't go and sign with toronto not that no. they would but even if, if they wanted thomas tatar the way that we're parting with Thomas Tatar, he wouldn't go and sign with like a Boston or a no. Toronto. You know what I mean? Zach Hyman, on the other hand, just got completely stiff armed by management in Toronto. Yeah, it they, was. They, it was they're well. asking him. They're asking him to take a pay cut after after no one on the team. Took well, that's a pay what cut. I was gonna say. Is just like that. It's it's you know it's it's been a common theme. A lot of different podcasts and talking points. I'm pretty sure even we heard that on Steve Dangle where they're saying like. For some reason, the Leafs are okay with asking everyone to take a pay cut except for their fabulous four there. Yeah, and <laughs> where the, like it's just that 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 spits in his face a the, little. The, the and the reason why I think I have such a soft spot for this guy is is because I feel like he's undervalued a lot, like Arturi Lekkinen is. Except he's he, he's way better, mm-hmm. and like it, it bothers me to see that because not only is it 
an Arturi Lekkonen effect, but Zach Hyman's much more talented, and also he's in that, like, penumbra of Matthews and Marner, and it bugs me because I know that that... He is, like, on the front line of, like, Matthews, Mar- Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander are all in one hotel room, and then Hyman gets left out because he's not one of the top guns. Exactly. You know, like, I just get that feeling with Toronto, and I feel like that's why their core is rotten, and I just feel... I feel for Hyman. Like, I feel... I see him in his hotel room alone. He's a character alone. guy. Yeah, I feel I see him in his hotel room alone. He's he's fucking watching uh, tape. He's watching <laughs> tape and he's uh he's bunked with who knows what because uh, like no one on his line's bunking with him. Exactly. He has and to then, sit with the teacher. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden let's say he is for some reason uh, bunked with uh, Matthews that night, uh, just out of like an absence or something like that. Matthews comes back in the room at eleven thirty, he's like, Oh hey, where were you? And then Matthews is like, Oh, I was in Mitch's room. I mean, yeah. like, just no invite. You know? yeah. like, that's, the, that's the feeling no, I get. Exactly. From, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's a whole <laughs> issue that Toronto clearly has, is that they kind of cut the top four off. Yeah, from um, reality. From They're reality. Just and, and, but yeah, no, so I'm, I'm more than happy with Zach Hyman coming through. Yeah. Um, I like that signing. And then, so yeah, that, that basically wraps up the free agents. Um, like we already mentioned, in terms of trades, Rob, you traded Byron. 20, yeah, well, you, technically you traded a second and a fourth for them to take to Byron, take Byron yeah. but it does count as the trade. And so then there was one trade that we both did, and I think it was actually um, it was identical, this trade. So we both traded for Seth Jones. And now, before people freak out... Um, no extension. No extension. Seth Jones is not someone who you're just immediately giving eight years at... Eight, nine, ten million dollars. What I want to do with Columbus is I want to basically give Seth Jones because this clearly makes him untradeable. Now that it, you know he's he's really screwed that team over in terms of his value. But now you know for the rumors people are hearing from Chicago, where it's like Kirby Doc, Adam Bockvist, a first, uh, Ian Mitchell, yeah. Alex DeBrinket, two of their Stanley Cup <laughs> rings, their coach. Like it's it's insane, but. If you don't require him to sign an extension, I think, one, he doesn't have a say in the matter. Yeah. But two, it makes the value on him a lot easier. So we both traded the following for Seth Jones. I think if you offer Jonathan Druin, Cam Hillis, and a 2021 second, that gets it done. And I'll I'll explain why. I mean, we both have the same trade, and I, I think we both have the same reasoning. So... The main piece is obviously Jonathan Druin. This guy needs a change of scenery. Um, you can entice Columbus with that one year Druin spent with Domi. Yeah. Druin and Domi clearly have... Their best, both their best years. Right. And then you have a line of Druin, Domi, and Line. A. Yeah. So all of a sudden you've got playmakers, two playmakers sniper. playing with a guy who can just bury it. And I think given that they're all young, they can all move, and they can all like play together... Is something that you know that's Columbus is in a hot spot right now, and yeah. I think that's the big piece. Um, Cam Hillis is a guy who projects as like a middle six, top top end second line center, but realistically a third line kind of like playmaking centerman who there's just no more room on the team. He he looked super promising, and he still does, but there's he's just never gonna have room on this team. No. And so that you know refills call, and yeah they need prospects in general but centers specifically and so take him and then the pick is just because I know they want picks yeah. they don't have a second round pick this year so that fills that gap and so you're you're just filling in everything they need and so I think that basically is is justified for and, uh, one yeah. year of Seth Jones obviously just to make it clear the Habs have two 2021 second round yeah picks. ours and Tampa's yeah so like I have the I have a 
for Byron, the 2021 second and fourth, to for them to take Byron instead of Jake Allen, uh, Seattle that is. But I also have a 2021 second in that Druin trade, but that's justified because we have two, we have Tampa's. Yeah, so basically in, in your scenario, we don't have any second round picks this year. Yeah. In mine, we have one. Yeah. And so basically, just for a year of Seth Jones, because one, if we don't, you know, it's like we're not, you know, selling the entire farm to get him. And if he sucks, we let him walk. But in the best case scenario, he loves it here and is willing to take a bit of a discount. You know, this guy will get over seven and a half million in this contract, but instead of nine. I can't give him ten mil. I can't give him nine. I mean, I don't want this to turn into a PKC. I I won't. Yeah, exactly. I won't give him anywhere near what Petrangelo even got no, at 8.8. No. Like, I could see him getting, you know, 7.5 to 8 mil. Yeah, I'd give him a Weber contract, basically. No, that, that's the, exactly it. <laughs> and so, again, this is just this is another one of, you want to get out of Columbus, you want to come to Montreal, and if the Habs do well this year, it might be yeah, promising. It, it just almost looks like it's meant to be, because, like, Jonathan Druin needs to get out of this Montreal environment. It's just not, like, good for him on a personal level. It's horrible for his mental health. Yeah, it's not good for him on a personal level, but it's also not good for him in developing his, his hockey. I mean, like, you know, he's he's very spotty here. A lot of it has to do with the pressure. And, like, some players just, you know, they can't deal with it on a personal level, and that's nothing against him. It's just we need to put him in a situation. Like, we're, we're in a good enough relationship with this guy on a management level that we need to do the right thing on like a human level and like let this guy be in a position to thrive and like I think that's in Columbus. Yeah, and I and I I mean like we said there's that on Columbus's end it fills the holes that you're looking for and also the potential of him yeah. going off with Domi and Line A. And the spotlights off him. That's it, the spots off. And I think the big thing too here is in terms of on our end of the pond, basically this now turns trading Mikhail Sergachev into acquiring Seth Jones, yeah. not Jonathan Druin. Yeah. So it, it really, that kind of almost like takes the red out of Mark Bergevin's ledger too. Yeah. It just, it, it, it makes everything kind of almost like calm down yet again. Yeah. So Plus I can see it happening too because like if Bergevin doesn't re-sign contract, this is his last year, he'll sign Jones to a one-year contract and be like, whoever going to be GM next year, you fucking deal with it. Exactly. No, honestly. <laughs> And so basically, uh, before we get into our lineups, I just want to say, so we both have 23-man rosters. We both have, like, respected the cap limit. So yeah. I'm at roughly $3.6 million in cap space, and you're at about 2.8. Yeah. So um, this is a doable lineup. This is a competitive lineup. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll start with mine in terms of my lines. Um my first line is Anderson, Suzuki, and Caulfield. I just loved seeing them together in the playoffs. I think you just got to keep them together, in my opinion. And Anderson didn't really play better with anyone else, even throughout the season, in my in my opinion. Um, second line of Toffoli, Kotkaniemi, and Gallagher. I think, one, this will you know, let Kotkaniemi kind of um, grow offensively and... You know, you've got two guys in Kotkaniemi and Gallagher who will just drive the net hard with a guy like Toffoli who's a sniper. So every time Toffoli misses, you've got Kotkaniemi and Gallagher banging away. It'll kind of get Gallagher's goal scoring up a little bit. But also just, I, I want to have personally Gallagher in the top six. I know it's like this team doesn't really have a top six per se. But basically, I think Toffoli, Kotkaniemi, Gallagher is that second line that can kind of play a physical game, but really more just like a, a grinding slash... It's a, it's a big goal-scoring line. 
Um, my third line is Lekkonen Deno Byron. I absolutely love this line. I don't know why we didn't see more of it in the playoffs. Um, absolutely shut down. shut down, reminiscent on honestly of Tampa Bay's Goudreau, yeah, uh, Gord and um, Coleman line. And I honestly think they'll score more than people think. It'll like I think Deno, if he's gonna get points, it'll be with these guys because. They're so locked down defensively that the second someone makes a mistake, yeah, yeah, and he'll you know how many times he'll chip it up to Byron. Yeah, Byron will be gone. Then my fourth line is Armia, Getzlaff, and Perry. So I think enough said right there. But um, my scratches are Jake Evans and Ryan Paling. So for me, Evans showed he can go play in for Gallagher if he gets hurt. He can go play for Byron if he gets hurt. He can play for Lekin if he gets hurt. So basically. Evans is all over the place. Even if Kotkaniemi or Deno get hurt, he can go in. So he'll be anywhere in the middle six. Yeah. Paling, similarly, but not exactly. If you want to swap Perry out, give him a rest, give Getzlaff a rest and everything, he just fits right into that bottom uh, line right there with Armia. Uh, and uh, one of Getzlaff or Perry, he can play the wing, he can play center. So I think this will just be a perfect way of preserving our veterans yeah. while also kind of developing our young guys. Now we get to my defense really quick. I've got a top pair of Ryan Suter and Seth Jones. Uh, it's the Nashville connection. They were both drafted there. But also just like Ryan Suter is not a poor defenseman. No, it's fantastic. In any Very underrated. And playing with Seth Jones, that's again, that's two big bodies that know how to play good two-way games. Edmondson stays with Petrie. That worked way too well in the regular season. And then Romanov and Sherratt on a, a third line, pair. Yeah. People are going to be pissing blood yeah. after that line. And it'll also give Romanov, who I think plays a similar game to Sherrod in the sense of he's a underrated skater, but just a physical you know, menace at yeah. times, with uh, a seventh defenseman of Brett Kulak, who can come in for Romanov, who can come in for Edmondson, who can even come in for Sherrod if need be. And so I think my scratches of Evans, Paling, and Kulak really have guys that are versatile in that sense where... They haven't quite earned their full spot, but they're just perfect kind of subs for even if you get, um, you know, let's say Ryan Suter for some reason just has like an old man injury where he just needs a, a game or two off. Sherrod jumps up with Jones, Kulak comes in with Romanov. Yeah. It just, it lets you move around. And then of course you have Carey Price and Chris Dreidger. Um, so that, that's basically my lineup. What's your split look like there? Probably, probably very similar, 50-32, something like that. And as cl- honestly, like I, I just want Carey Price to be the one to dictate that. Just me too. Just let. Don't, just none of this pre like. No, just pre prescribed deals. Just go like, just, and when Carey Price needs a break, I trust Chris Dreidger to get it done. Yeah. I, you know how I feel about a full eighty-two season. I personally think you should play a goalie till he loses. Mm. But um, again. Carey Price should basically just get you know power of attorney or power yeah. of veto on that one and say, yeah, I need a, a night or two off. And when you have a guy like Dreidger and Net, like you can afford that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I, I actually just commenting on your thing. I like the, you know, the Anderson Suzuki Caulfield. That's totally understandable. Even though I don't have it, I I love that line in the playoffs. Um, I also see why you have Gallagher playing with Kotkaniemi. That's a natural fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's contrast it a little with here. It's mine. So. Mine's a little bit more tricky because you didn't sign a winger, so I have Zach Hyman there, which kind of, um, you know, makes the whole I want to put Gallagher in the top six, which I totally understand, not totally feasible. So for me, my first line is Hyman, Suzuki, Caulfield. Now, my reason for having Hyman there instead of Anderson is Hyman has shown that he can really support stars, and like, 
Um, I want him to play with Caulfield and Suzuki like he played with Matthews and Marner. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a degree of separation, but you know he he knows his role on the team, and he knows that he's not going to be the star of that line. But he's the guy that's working in the shadows that the fans can appreciate. And I you I get that same vibe with Josh Anderson, but I prefer Anderson playing with Kotkaniemi and Toffoli just with the way the um, with the way the um, chemistry with Anderson and uh, Kotkaniemi, I feel like is going to pan out. Like, I feel like those guys are way too similar in certain ways to not really gel. Whereas Suzuki and Anderson um, definitely have chemistry in the playoffs, but it's almost like, why do they have chemistry sort of thing? Um, so I, I would really want to see Anderson grow with Kotkaniemi just because um, I don't really want to see him as being on that line. You know I, mean? like, get it. I don't want him to be like that guy on that line. I just don't see that being uh, sustainable. Like, I, don't I know completely why. understand. But, I like your first line better yeah. than mine. I just think you that. Some, yeah, just I just think it with with like you said, like having Anderson to Foley and Gallagher fill two spots. I couldn't yeah. justify it no, in no, mine. Sure. But I, I, if our line is Hyman Suzuki Caulfield, I'm I'm all over that. Yeah. That I'd be over the moon. Like the, another way I can describe it is I why I'm uncomfortable having Anderson on the first line for mine anyway is the same reason why I'm I'm still sort of uncomfortable having Gallagher on the first line. Like it's mm-hmm. just like he's not he's an incredible player, he's just not that guy. Yeah. You know? But yeah, so going into the second line, like I said, I have Anderson, Kotkiniemi to Foley. So I put Anderson on the left wing there just because I want him to be able to use that power move that he underutilized in the playoffs that he used in the regular season. And it was starting to piss me off in the playoffs in like the first three rounds when he was doing this maybe once every three games. It is by far his most effective move. It's why he gets the majority of his money um, when he drives the net uh, using his body and, and keeping the puck to the outside. On the left, that gives him the opportunity to do so. On the right, it's awkward. Like he can do it, but it's awkward because he has to hold the puck in. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, on the left, he can hold it out, which is much, much more comfortable uh, on his backhand. Uh, going to the third line, I'm keeping Lekin and Deno Gallagher together. I think that in the playoffs was just basically, I'd say around a third of the reason why we made the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean, fair. they just absolutely locked down every line they played against, um, starting with Matthews, Hyman, and uh, um, uh, Marner. And then, you know, going into Winnipeg, uh, then going into Vegas. I mean, like Stone just... They they absolutely killed that guy. That was the that was the line in Vegas that I was like, okay, hey, this is where this might come to an end. Mm-hmm. But they did it again, and like you know, Stone was completely absent. Patrick was basically absent, um, and any center they played against just killed them. And uh, really happy with that line. So then fourth line, same as you. I got Armia gets Laugh Perry. I think that's just going to be an absolute menace of a line. Like I just I can just see it now. Like if if Stahl. Armia Perry was that good. This is just going to be like an extra level of uh, of a. Like you add in the face-offs there and the nastiness and the nastiness. Like I, I just I see that and Ryan gets slapped in that like mentorship role for for Palin Kakinani. Like I I just love that. Uh, going into D, I got Edmondson. Oh, sorry, just just to jump in there. So your scratches for your forwards were the same as mine. Paling yep. and Evans, Palin's. same justification basically. Yeah, basically the same thing. Okay. I mean, I want Paling kind of like in the rotation. I I don't really see him playing much. I. You know, maybe when a Cockney gets injured or uh, gets laugh, you know, I, I kind of want gets laugh playing in a similar fashion to Perry. Like whenever he feels like even remotely like he needs a break, just swap him out. That's like what I, yeah, that's exactly. And I think that basically Paling should just be jumping in for Perry or gets laugh whenever they're tired. Yeah, I think that's it. I, which I, will I, probably end up getting him almost you know half the season in. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'd be completely fine with gets laugh playing like 
like 50, 60 games. Like, yeah. I think that's completely fine. I, I I want him to really shine in the playoffs, and I think that's what he's looking for. Absolutely. Much like you know, like Perry and Price, even to this point, where like they're they're not really down with this regular season stuff. They just want to get to the playoffs and play that hard hockey. So I think that works. Defense. Um, oh, and with the forwards, the offensive strategy, you know, a lot why I don't really care of the orders a lot like you and what we did last season. Is like we're running four lines here. Absolutely. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not really prioritizing anything. It's just kind of the way it works on this website. But going into the D, um, you know, I have my first one, my first uh, defensive pairing is. Edmondson Petrie. It could just as easily have been Sherratt Jones, um, but again, like that'll just kind of yeah, work how we work. The vibe I'm getting from your defense is that it really just is inserting Seth Jones where Shea Weber was. Yeah, I think I, that's that's basically it. Because then I got Kulak Romanov. Again, Kulak. I, I'm I'm tempted for the most part to have Kulak slot as kind of like an optional slot because I really want to see Romanov and Flurry play together. I think that would just be. Like, much like your Sherratt Romanov line, I think it would just be fantastic to get these guys to grow together. I, I realistically, you know, I'm looking more looking forward to Gooley playing there, but I I can see them just playing fantastic and being a really, really rough line together, especially with those third-line minutes. Like, not Definitely. huge responsibility. And, like, they need to, like, make mistakes. And in a full 82-game season, yeah. you can afford those a little bit more. Exactly. And I, I don't think they will make massive mistakes no, anymore. I, if you give them... If you if you put them on a leash, kind of like you did in the playoffs last yeah. year, you don't really... Like, don't, you know, play these guys, you know, all their minutes against, uh, you know, the, the Matthews line. Like, no, okay, exactly. Okay. And that, that, like you said, that pair will be, like, the pair of boom. Yeah, like, what I would <laughs> do, actually, is I, I wouldn't so much look at the other team. I would make sure that Romanoff Flurry play when Dano's on the ice. That's fair. Yeah. So, yeah, other than that, I think, and then your goal. Goalie, same thing. I, I'd want Price Alan to play Price. 45, 50 games. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, that basically wraps it up. I think we both kind of have a similar view of what this team needs to do to, you know, maybe get back to the playoffs, get back to the cup final, and really push it over the edge. So no crazy moves. I, you know, no, I, I would a, say I, I would even argue the Hyman move is, is bold. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I just, I don't, I didn't want to start this off with, you know, signing out Ovechkin, signing Hog, Hamilton. Yeah, you know, I was <laughs> tempted to look at Dougie Hamilton, but I just think like with what he's asking, especially the term, like this guy wants a seven, eight year contract. Yeah. And like, I just don't see us going for that. So um, I see us taking Jones for a year. I could really see that, to be honest. And I think Getzlaff is like, I'm confident in saying like, there's probably a 75% chance Ryan Getzlaff's here. That's sure. the thing. And I, I will just say this. For those who, uh, you know, have, have kept up with the news, Washington has not offered Alex Ovechkin a contract yet. The only other place he will play is here. He said that in an interview before. You know, it's been a while, but I'm sure that sentiment What's has What's his injury changed. status? Like, does he have any no, long injuries? No, no he's yeah. not, not he's, that he's, I know The guy's like a brick. Well, that's like, the thing. He's just, he's a machine, and he's he's basically automatic when it comes but, to goals. Okay, uh, this is this is one thing why... Think about what that would do to our power play. That's that's what I'm saying. Caulfield and Ovechkin, like we can rotate those guys. Yeah. Like and and I mean, that's why I don't even want to speculate on that because I don't see Washington letting him go for any amount of money. If you did have to sign him, how long? Three, three years. Three years. Yeah. Max, because he's ten. Is get yeah. He's he wants between ten and eleven, but um, I just want to double check his age before we sign that on. That would royally right. fuck our defense, though. That's the one thing, is then you, you really end up spending a lot of money yeah. on one guy, but Ovechkin, as it stands right now, is 35 years old, and he's turning 36 before the season starts. 
So if you sum to three years, that's thirty nine. That's I I'd offer him like a year or two actually max. Yeah, no, like that's I, all I can't bring him into like his I can't I can't bring a birthday. yeah I, I can't bring a forty year old with eleven million dollar tag on him, but you know we'll see. I mean he doesn't play like that. The thing is though is like I promise you he'll get forty goals. Next well that's that's the thing. It's weird. But anyway that that's again. If we find out, let's say that, for example, we're we're losing Jake Allen in the expansion draft, or we're losing Paul Byron, or you know we're losing Jonathan Druin, even like that'll reshape everything. So we'll have another one of these in a couple days, even. Yeah. So um, you know, this last is- thing on Ovechkin is his defensive game would stick out like a sore thumb. Here, yes, though. he just stands there and shoots. That's yeah. the one thing is he really is just a goal scorer. So like, if you played him with Suzuki, like you can't even play him there because like. So Ovechkin and Caulfield would be a waste together. Yeah, you play with Kotkaniemi. You play with Kotkaniemi. It's like you want to see Deno's points go up. You play with Deno. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to play with a very, very defensively responsible line. Hence, like all those years with Backstrom. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, we will uh, catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at HabsPuckDrop. We'll see you next time.